1: Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News we have updates on Stellaris, Pax Nova, Age of Wonders Planetfall, and much, much more.
0: Nate and Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nate. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. How about
1: yourself? Uh, I've had a really busy weekend, so I'm kind of worn out.
0: Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. And now uh, May is coming up. You know how I'm going to be having the May crunch. So yeah, that's same here.
1: Same here. May is terrible for us.
0: Yeah, May and December. Yep. Oh, well, it is what it is. So, why don't you start us off with uh, the latest news in Driftland, the Magic Revival. Right. Well, this
1: game just launched here recently, and it's getting uh, some updates post-launch. And kind of the biggest one that's coming in this update is a tweak to the easy level. They're making it even easier, where the AI is going to be less aggressive. And that's just fine with me, because you play on easy To kind of like learn the game, learn the ropes of the mechanics, especially a game with mechanics that are are, uh, slightly unusual, like Drift Land. So they're toning down the AI on the easiest level, and uh, that should help people kind of figure out the game and enjoy that part of the game a little bit better. Also, they're revamping um, the first campaign. Uh, The fans have said that there's just too much dialogue in the first campaign. And it kind of takes away from the place. So they're streamlining that in this update. So those are two big things. And then, you know, they, uh, they're they uh, improving the optimization. Um, units are going to be more actively defending their own area if a threat's close. And then several, but not very many, bug fixes. Let's see. Uh, just about eight or nine which is not too bad for a game po- post-launch. I mean, sometimes when a game launches, we'll see pages and pages of bug fixes because, you know, the audience finally got it. But not with Driftland. Just eight or nine things they got to fix. And um, it seems to have gotten off to a pretty smooth start, to be honest.
0: Very good. We're very, We're very much hoping that Uh, star drifters is the studio behind driftland that they would get a good launch because they were in early access for quite a bit and during this process they took a lot of feedback had a lot of interaction with the community and it's always good to see when it leads to a good game so stay tuned we will have coverage further coverage for this we will have a review for this but like i said earlier we're already kind of behind quite a bit on a few and you know it's just pile is growing bigger but we will i promise we will somehow we will get it all done and with that i think it's um, a good point a good time to move on to the next item of note and this is Thea 2 The Shattering they too uh, so a couple of weeks ago um, we had talked about them possibly having a May release well it's official there it's i believe it's coming out on May 9th out of early access and they recently released this like like little narrative teaser trailer which will be linked in the notes that has uh, one of the one of the kids growing up to becoming a rat and then the story of this rat and the village and uh, everything that happens it's really interesting it's very cool you're definitely gonna wanna watch this it's I think it's like a minute and a half or two minutes long but it's it shows you the potential the narrative that can happen within thea how it's so organic like you they don't set it up a certain way. Just kind of, you know, one thing after the other and all kinds of interesting stuff happens. So that's the first thing. Now, the second thing with Thea is that they released another update, another patch, and within it, they finally added all the Kickstarter quests. So people that backed it through Kickstarter got to write little quest chains and whatnot. So those got added. They're continuing to take feedback on, you know, how to improvise the user interface, how to change the Uh, the mechanics behind food transfer so for example if you originate um, a party of however many characters you have to make sure that they have wood because you can't camp without wood you have to make sure they have food you have to make sure there's variety because you know who wants to eat the same thing over and over and as well as the food imparting particular bonuses up to a point, you know, being reasonable. Because in the first game, if you could have 20, 30 types of food, your party were like, you know, they they were strong enough to take on the gods, even if they're low level, just because of all the food variety. So they definitely nerfed that. And they're continuing to do this type of stuff. And um, I'm seeing sometimes that um, people are not too happy with some of the changes. But again, it's still relatively early access is about a week and a half. Well, at the time you hear this a week to go. So there's still a possibility that they can revert back. I mean, they're trying lots of different things to get a consensus going, to find, like, that sweet spot where enough of the players are happy because no matter what you do, there's always somebody that's unhappy about one thing or another. Sometimes it's even me. You know, I can't take the high road here and act like, oh, you know, I'm better. I'm not. I I I also get caught up on certain things. So, you know, they're kind of trying to get that balance right and – this is Muhao, You know, once the game drops, you know they're gonna keep tweaking it, keep adding content to it. With Theo, with Thea, the Awakening, they didn't charge for any of the stuff. I don't think. May I mean, did they charge for the the Return of the Giants? No, no.
1: The no, only thing was, they ever did is like, like the offer coffee. you the ability to make a donation,
0: like yeah, coffee for code coders or something like that. Yeah, but it was before this new thing called coffee. K-O-F-I, it's this new like donation thing that's kind of like Patreon but different. So this is, yeah, they did the Coffee for Coders thing. I think it was through PayPal a couple of years back. But anyways, yeah. so let's get back to Thea. So they're, they added a couple little things. Again, the link's in the notes. You can take a look. Um, they're continuing to fix all kinds of stuff. They're continuing to tweak things left and right. So... If you've been Troy if you've been holding out to play it, I think the latest build is probably as close as it's going to be to the release candidate. Ah, you know? okay. So, if you like I know you've been saying that you've been holding off, you know, make a little bit of time, give it a try. You might be surprised by what you see.
1: All right, sounds good. Uh we'll move on to Age of Wonders Planetfall next, and this week we get a lot more information about the Syndicate faction. And one thing that really struck me about this faction is the aesthetics of it. Um, Age of Wonders Planetfall, overall, has this sort of a very industrial, post-apocalyptic feel to it. Um, many of the factions have units that are grungy, or the, uh, the designs of the vehicles are very brutalistic. Um, almost, in some cases, like a, a Mad Max kind of feel. But the Syndicate are very clean and crisp. Their colonies are beautiful and artistic. They use lots of vibrant colors. And so I think a lot of people will be attracted to this faction just on the aesthetics of it. They're mainly a covert slash espionage type faction, which we've covered before. And they use a lot of their psionic powers in combat. So one of the things that helps to deter differentiate them from the other factions is their um like their disciplines their um their doctrines i guess which are kind of like um enchantments or spells in age of wonders 3
0: but they're like the spells that basically the global spells essentially that would could impact the city or could you know impact particular faction in a particular way that's kind of what these are too right so um
1: Those are something you're going to research as you play. And they have some interesting ones, like you can uh, sabotage the industry of an uh, enemy uh, colony, I should say, for uh, like 10 turns. Or uh, you have um, the ability to just insta kill one of the weaker units. And if it doesn't kill them, they take 30 side damage. Um, You can uh, press people into service. Uh, from your population, and they become um, the indentured unit, which I'll go on and explain that a little bit more. The indentured units are described as the slave units of the syndicate, where they attach uh, mind control collars to uh, essentially people that they capture, or uh, the lower classes of their own society, and uh, force them to fight for them. And these indentured units have another unit that uh, looks like Baron Harkonnen from Dune. And he's basically their taskmaster. He's called a subjugator. And he's the one that kind of drives the indentured units around and can even resurrect them using their technology uh, as long as he's surviving and has enough of his psi power to do that. So that that's kind of how those work. Now, they have other units. Um, they, they have a, an overseer unit, which uh, has the ability to override their control coll- collars uh and that does damage them but it gives them back all their action points so you I guess you can have that sort of trade-off there I'm gonna hurt my units but they're gonna get back their a- action points so if I really need to finish off something that I'm fighting I can make this sacrifice and do that so that's kind of interesting uh they have assassin units and uh wraith units and things like this which are all very in flavor for their faction um Let's see, what else could we talk about here? So uh they have some of larger attack war machines too. One even kind of looks like a, a Java sail barge and this sort of thing. So uh all their units float. That's one thing. I mean, other than like um their assassin unit and their well the enslaved units do not float. So let's let's put that there but the ones actually controlled by members of the syndicate do float and uh the blog post describes them as like they don't want to touch the filthy ground with their feet so all their units float all their big units float and uh that does give them advantages because you remember in age of wonders planetfall there can be uh obstacles on the ground that could harm a unit when a unit steps on it so if they don't step on it then they can't be harmed by it. So that's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll have a link to the blog post. It's rather lengthy, and I've gone on for a while about it. But uh, you can read more about them there. But essentially, again, this is the espionage faction uh, with enslaved units and uh, psionic powers. And so that's kind of what this faction is all about.
0: Yeah, their mechanic for floating makes them real good for fighting with area of effect effect attacks, like stuff that will impact grounded units. If they float over it, you know, they get a bonus from that. You know, it's also harder to hit them. You know, a flying unit is usually a little bit harder to target or a lot harder. But uh, anyways, uh, moving on to another title. This one is for Stellaris, and this week's um, dev diary is talking about the next DLC, and they're um, expounding on what they had mentioned in last week's dev diary. This one specifically is called Archaeology. So when we were when we did the um, audible extension for it, we were kind of. Trying to future cast as to where Stellaris needs to go in the short term because of all these changes they've been making, you know, to give the community a chance to catch up, to take the game and to, I, I guess, for lack of a better word, normalize it. And I don't say that like it's an abnormal game, but I mean normalize it as in get everything working and kind of set a new base because, like, with each of the last couple of releases, they keep adding things and old features disappear or they get thrown in the back so at this point kind of get everything to the same level and one of the things we wanted to see is more stories because essentially Stellaris is a story engine. lots of random events all kinds of stuff and from game to game you can have very various combinations of events that can give you a very different experience so that's kind of what they're doing here with archaeology and essentially they're creating um, a new quest chain that depends on The particular tech that or discovery that is made so in this dev diary like i've gone over it several times and what i haven't noticed is what happens if there's an archaeological site in um, uh, an enemy territory or uncontrolled space because here they're specifically talking about stuff that's within your domain so anyway so when your scientist discovers an archaeological site they begin to research it and at various steps um Things will happen. You might have random events that happen that change the narrative. Like, you know, I mean, they don't really give examples as to what can happen. But you have, like, if, if you think of some of the other stories that occur in Stellaris, imagine if, in the midst of your discovery, you awake a rogue AI, and you know you have you have some uh, empire around you. Uh, all of a sudden, get triggered by this. Well, here it could be something different, and it could result. Potentially, in a boon to your species or a malice or anything, or just just who knows what and there's a kind of a journal being kept as this is going on, so at a later point, you can go back and see how everything was developed and how it branched and whether it was one or six different possibilities i mean i don't know i don't know if you'll see the possibilities, but you'll see how many different branches they were and which directions they went, and what choices you made, so it's kind of interesting it's like you're continuing on your path to create a more personal experience. And as far as I can tell, that was one of the major things that Joshua kept praising Stellaris for constantly coming up with these little twists. And like even on old um, events, you would still sometimes get something new, almost almost to the level of what happens in Thea. So that's definitely... And I know a lot of the people that have been kind of down on Stellaris of late. Maybe this will get them back into it because they'll, they'll find, there'll be like new little things to find and little fun, you know, little fun tidbits here and there, or maybe big ones. I mean, I, I have no idea what they're going to do with this. I mean, it could be something like you just discovered like, you know, the death star, the moon, star, the moon orbiting your planet. It's not actually a moon, it's a giant spaceship. And now you have a massive advantage over everybody and you can go on a conquering, you know, fit, and then, but maybe there's some fallen empire somewhere who wants their you know planet killer back so now you've gone to war with it. i don't know that this is going to happen but i think that could be fun so that's essentially what this is is you can get new apparently you can get new tech out of this you can get all kinds of bonuses and there's a lot that can happen with this so it should be very interesting to see where paradox goes with 2.3 but so far like I don't know if it's going to be like a bunch of story packs. Is 2.2 going to be story packs with everything else being brought up to date? Or is it going to be like, is there going to be a new race introduced that's going to have its own narrative? That's part of the whole archaeological quest thing. So I don't know. Okay. I'm keeping my eyes open and I'm staying kind of excited. I mean, I'm wondering at what point I need to jump back in and give it another spin, you know? Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, I hope it does turn out well because I know there were a lot of people loving it. And then were disappointed by it, and I really hate that for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, just, I just wish that they could just straight up enjoy the game. So I hope whatever they do over there at Paradox, they can bring back a lot of the, the people who played it and loved it and give them something that they're really going to enjoy.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So
1: now we're going to move on to Pax Nova. And if you don't remember what that is, it's by Grey Wolf Entertainment, and it's being published by Iceberg. And... It's a game that, for some, it might be the the Holy Grail for them. Uh, It combines space exploration and combat with terrestrial exploration and combat. So uh, you can kind of sort of get that in um, Predestination, but you can't just, like, have a fight anywhere. You have to be in orbit. So anyway, with Pax Nova, um, it's sort of... uh, the, the com- combination of space and terrestrial 4X into one game. And this past week they did a Q&A with uh, Iceberg Interactive and they talked about uh, the game's mechanics, they showed off a lot of the gameplay, the uh, different factions that are in the game, um, a lot of the different aspects and, and how the game's meant to be played and all this sort of thing. And the biggest thing that came out of it is the release date which is may 9th which is right around the corner when we're recording this that's like 10 days away so when you hear this it'll probably be about a week away and that's that's really soon in fact that's right there with uh thea 2 the the shattering so like we're gonna have a bunch of uh 4x games come out like rapid fire here before everybody leaves for the summer and nobody can sell anything
0: so just a quick uh, correction. I just checked our calendar, and it's actually Thea Two is hitting uh, May thirteenth. Right. So Pax Nova on May 9th is going to be them in officially entering early access. It's not going to be a full release. It'll be the early access. Oh release. yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. No. It's did I okay. did
1: that's, I say you know, yeah? I'm sorry. I meant to say early access. Yeah. If no, I didn't say okay. that, uh, that was well, just uh, that's why a brain yeah, fart I mean, by was, me.
0: I made a mistake, so this is an opportunity to jump in and kind of, you know, two birds, one stone type of thing. Okay,
1: yeah, so it's coming out, and they're all coming out before summer, and, you know, you can't release a game on Steam um, in, like, June, July, because nobody cares. And even August is a little iffy. Maybe the end of August.
0: End of August, right. Yeah, so anyway,
1: this is all coming out here um, in May, and uh, they also linked in this, um, I don't know, this news update, uh, a video showing off some of the gameplay, just like an eight-minute video. I think we might probably reported on it a few weeks ago, but um, it, it shows how you colonize a planet, how you can expand and explore and this sort of thing. Uh, it talks about, um, like, kind of designing heroes and how you can select the different traits for them, including you have to select a negative one, so uh, it, it's a pretty good video showing how this game works, and it's good points. And like I gotta tell you, Nate, the graphics for this game are looking really, really good. Have,
0: have you seen much of it? Oh yes, oh yes. I'm definitely keeping an eye on it. I'm uh, I like what they're doing. It's got elements of like a cross between Alpha Centauri and their previous game. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's like, um, right.
0: Uh, Don of Andromeda right yep yep. Yeah. so like Don of Andromeda had a lot of potential and it's kind of like but it felt in certain point in certain places it felt like a little shallow and almost feels like pax Nova as the name suggests you know pax new new Empire new era you know right not era but like new um new Empire or well, no I gotta hand it to new, him new age I think it's is mm- it new pax's uh pax's age well, i right? don't
1: know let me google it up let <laughs> we'll like me see uh oh well the first thing it <laughs> brings up is like all this stuff for the game <laughs> well that's
0: good that's excellent that's the
1: first yeah thing you know so that, yeah you know, um, doing something right. so anyway uh i i gotta say that um the the artists for the game are doing fantastic like it's mm-hmm. really really pretty art mm-hmm. um whatever i'm uh my search foo is weak at the moment well anyway we're just gonna say new era and if that's not right somebody will correct us in the comments and i'll be fine kind
0: of like they did the the one when we were talking about the uh italian families and i couldn't come up with one and one of the listeners was like you probably meant these guys and it's like "Yup, that's who i meant thank you very much so all right well that's it for the 4x so moving on to the next title Uh, Battletech has just revealed, well, we knew what the next expansion or DLC was going to be called and, or DLC, however you want to look at it, but we didn't know much about it. It's called urban warfare. And basically you, so if you play Battletech at all, you, the game mostly happens in like the backwater of these empires, like the outer rim, there's not any big cities there. There's, you know, all the fighting happens out in the middle of nowhere, The citizenry is not really affected so much by your fighting all that much. Well, that's about to change because the new DLC or expansion or whatever, ELC maybe, is um, called Urban Warfare. So combat is now going to be taking place in the large cities. And they have a little teaser video and it looks Awesome! There's verticality to the game. That was one of my favorite parts from BattleTech, is when you're defending a base or sieging a base, and you know you're destroying the the basically all the structures, and you know you got line of sight issues and elevation. So now it's going to be even more so. And I think to me, I, I'm a, if if you're a new listener to the show, you might not know that I'm a huge fan of BattleTech, and for since the fa- the formation of Explorinate, my go-to squad tactics game was XCOM and XCOM 2. Like, could not pull me away from it until Battletech hit. And that was the game that pulled me away from XCOM. So, with this release, I am super excited. Now, there's another game that I've been following called Phantom Brigade. And after the fiasco of the game that shall not be mentioned, which <laughs> jumped to Epic, even though it was publicly backed and... Publicly and privately backed. And there's a whole a whole mess with that game. But I'm not going to talk about that game. So Phantom Brigade was my next go-to. Squad tactics, big Max It was going to be amazing. And then all of a sudden, people started to unearth that they might be doing something with Epic also. So if that's the case, I'm moving away from Phantom Brigade. And I'm looking for something else to fill that gap. And lo and behold, the game that just keeps on giving back to me, Battletech, is going to do exactly that. So I'm very excited. I really enjoyed Flashpoint, which was the previous DLC or ELC or whatever you want to call it. So I'm looking forward to Urban Warfare. I believe they said the release date is going to be June 4th. So I'm, you know, keeping my fingers crossed that they're able to do with it what they did. With Flashpoint, maybe, you know, develop it further there's going to be a couple of new mechs they're going to add some more tanks to the game and uh, you know maybe we'll get some flying units after all I, I look i'm looking i'm curious i want to see what they do with it but yeah i'm very very hyped for it and now that takes us out of the i guess future gaming for lack of a better word and let's let's talk a little bit about this title called fantasy general 2 and this is for this is going to be um from slytherin and basically this is we talked about it i think maybe two or three weeks ago and this is a sequel to a i don't know like 30 year old game that got a lot of people people still play it now and it's like updated graphics all kinds of stuff and but you, we didn't really see much from it well they just released this little video it's little it's not a vignette, but it's a. Uh, it's like a dev diary where one of the main developers is talking about it. And then in the background, they were showing footage of the game. And it looks really good. And it makes me wonder if the game is being built. Because it, it kind of looks like a fantasy version of uh, Pandora, you know? Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder if this, is, if this game is built on that engine. I mean, not by the same studio. or Maybe they it's just a coincidence that it looks so similar not not similar but like the way it moves on the map so i mean i'm i'm pretty excited i'm i'm definitely this is piquing my curiosity i mean unfortunately i barely have any time right now for anything that doesn't include life and work family but you know it's just one more game that's going on my list of one of these days i'll get to all these games you know so we'll i'll have we'll have a link to this video that i saw and i'm hoping that maybe somebody else can take a look at it and um i mean maybe not panda maybe gladius like fantasy Gladius, which then comes to you know are the are the guys that worked on gladius that they're gonna turn around and maybe put out like a warhammer fantasy battle version which would be amazing so yeah fantasy general looks really really interesting it's piquing my curiosity
1: all right well we're going to talk about northgard next and uh this latest update is talking about new content coming to the game and the big part is a new clan is going to be added this is the clan of the horse and it is quite a bit different from the others uh for one thing you can't build mines miners or smiths and that's a big deal because you need miners to get uh metal and stone for your your settlement and you need smiths to build weapons and tools for your unit so like what do you do well what you can do is you can build a a structure called a volans forge and it's um like kind of like a regular forge, only better. And what you do instead of having miners and smiths is, you can have up the two war chiefs for this faction, and they can be your miners and smiths. And they're super fast at collecting um, items from from the from the resource deposits, and then making things. In their special forge, and you can even research more technology that will make them even faster. So, rather than use your war chief as kind of exclusively as a, uh, a person that's leading the troops into battle, you're using them more to manage your resources within your empire. And so, that's really interesting and different. Uh, also, this faction can have up to two relics, and um, they can. Create two special units, a Thane, which is um sort of well, I know what it was historically, but I guess in this game it's more like a merchant where you can sell stone and metal and get extra c- credits, cash for it. And then you have a Jarl who uh is really good at um well for one thing, if when you have him you can build your second relic and then also he makes uh, deposits of stone and metal appear, so he's uh, he's pretty useful. You're gonna want that unit for this particular faction. Um, I like the aesthetics of it. They're sort of like a dwarven faction, I would say, in in the way that they look. The the clan of the horse, that is. Uh, and uh, another thing that they can do is they can build like a super strong. Um, Watchtower. So most factions have a watchtower and you can upgrade it once. Well, the Clan of the Horse can upgrade it a second time. So something even taller and more powerful. And you're going to need that because you're not going to be as aggressive in taking new land. So you need to be able to defend the land you have better. So uh, a couple other little changes to the game. Um they're uh constructing a building is now impossible in a zone that's under conflict it used to be you could maybe build something while there was combat going on you can't anymore uh now the lodestone and circle of lodestone are going to have an icon when there's no lore master assigned to them so that way uh you know that that particular uh, area is available for you to send a lore master to which can be confusing um sometimes it, you can't see necessarily where all your units are exactly and what they're doing and so that will help you make sure they're doing the right thing so uh, a couple other little improvements and things like that for the game and uh, overall it looks like this new faction will play very differently from the others and so I think fans of Northgard will enjoy it quite a bit
0: so do you have a new faction now? Uh, no your fa- a new favorite faction?
1: I think That'll... the goat faction is probably still
0: better still, I see goatman all right well that's it for the main news items and in this week's what is section uh, i'm going to talk about glorious companions now glorious companions is another squad tactics type of games set in a fantasy world now um you it's this is an interesting game because you have a magic system based on scion is the best way to describe it now what I meant by that is, this is based on a pen and paper RPG, and the system in there was a lot of work went into it. So this magic system is highly customizable. Uh, the way you play it, um, it's, you're not really supposed to be able to achieve the same character twice. Like if you have a good, you know, template, you're not, you shouldn't be able to knock out a whole group, a whole party, just like that, because each one has different, different aspects to a temperament different you know specialties what they can focus on and there's a there's a lot going on in the world besides just your little questing and what you're trying to do there's two major factions whether you know who do you ally with what are you doing you have to pay attention to other events as well because there's something called ancient guardians which eventually wake and threaten everybody so this is a little bit different than games of this type tend to be but it's it looks really interesting i i like what i'm seeing from combat i've been we've i've been talking quite a bit lately about squad tactics game for a reason so um, if the listeners if you listeners are again tired of it and you'd like me to talk about some other games look for some other interesting games please let me know but otherwise if not just keep listening because i'm I told you guys, what was it, a year and a half ago, that the squad tactics, that's going to be the next major things in strategy. And here we are, you know, week after week, interesting games, lots of different types of games are coming. Some of them are good, some of them not quite. So we'll see. I believe the release for this is supposed to be in June. Uh, We'll kind of keep our eyes open and ears to the ground to see if anything changes. And I think that is it for that. So did did you see the results for the latest poll?
1: Yeah, I didn't think they were all that surprising.
0: I agree. I, I like that um, <laughs> nobody want, likes to game on their commute. There's only one person that games on their commute. So either very few people have long commutes or they don't take public transportation or they have no commutes at all, you know? Yeah. Uh, why don't you just review what the question was real quick? Sure. So the question was, when do you like to game? Basically when, you know, as, as a listener, when do you play? Some people can only play in the mornings. Some people play in the afternoons, others in the evenings, at night, on their commute, whenever. So that was, that was kind of the question. And the, you're right. The, the results were not surprising. Majority of people game at night. Um, The next most popular, that was basically 60% 60 of the people game at night, 60% of the voters. And then the next most popular one was there was no particular preference. That's 27%. my, My guess is that probably has to do with the audience. So I think the older the audience, the more likely you are to game at night because during the day you're at work you know, like family, kids, things like that. So at night when you know everybody's going down, you have a couple of hours to yourself, maybe that's when you game, maybe your other friends are on. So if you're doing multiplayer or something like that. And not too many people game in the morning or during the day. But that's, again, I think that also has to do with our particular audience and the games that are being played too. So, and then of course, plenty of people game whenever, which makes sense. Were you one of the guys that likes to... To game during lunch or during your commute? No, no,
1: no, I don't have time to do it during lunch.
0: Okay, all right. Me either. I, I can't, I, I don't remember the last time I gamed during lunch. During lunch, I'm trying to catch up on the work I didn't do. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The morning, like, right? I
1: always work through my lunch.
0: Or or get ahead for the afternoon. But yeah, like, on the commute, sometimes I didn't, that was not me. But sometimes on my commute, if I'm, you know, taking public transportation, I'll pull something out and I'll play for like 20, 30 minutes but it doesn't happen too often even on my commute a lot of times i'm working or you know doing something related. so that's it so by the time you that you hear the show the new poll will be up but i haven't figured out the question yet i got a couple so i'll decide over the weekend and it'll be up i think let me see yeah so by the time you hear this the new poll will literally just have gone up so i think that's that all right well with that being said Troy, have you had a chance to play anything this week?
1: Uh, not really. Like I said, I've been pretty busy. I did get to play a few hours of Blitz last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wargaming introduced a new patch to the game this past week that revamped the Quest system in mm. World of Tanks Blitz. And it is a whole lot better now. I really, really like it. I think it improved the the gaming experience quite a bit. They also did a bit of a refresh on the user interface for the game, which is mm-hmm, nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think it was that bad to begin with, but it's more aesthetically pleasing now, and I think it loads just a little bit faster, to be honest. Nice. So, um, yeah, I, I really like the new changes to the game to the game quite a bit, and I had a good time playing. I had, like, about two hours I got to play.
0: What about you? Uh, no, not too much time. I didn't even have time to play the games that I'm not supposed to talk about, so... I didn't even play them, but I did play some more Divinity, and uh, I'm enjoying it. I've just, I've, like, in the last, I don't know, maybe four years, I've played so many 4X games that, like, so many of them, like, it's harder to distinguish them anymore. You know, like, wait, was it this game or was it that game? No, no, maybe it was that other game. So it's nice to take a break and, you know, play something different. So Divinity is kind of scratching that itch at the moment. But yeah, like may begins and may i don't even know if i'm going to be able to play anything for the month of may so it's may is tough may is really tough and december is tough but i think may is even tougher than december at least for me so we'll see but yeah still enjoying divinity original it's uh i have the enhanced edition so like all the major i think all the lines are voice acting and like they did a really good job with all the voice acting it's pretty funny and uh you know I think that's it. Not much else. And um, with that, I think we're wrapping it up. So a huge thank you to our fans, to our listeners, to our patrons who make all of this happen. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate you. To our Steam community. uh, You know, to the publishers and developers that hook us up with keys for reviews that we are way behind on. So, you know, the usual.
1: All right. Well, very good. We'd like to thank everyone for... Uh, joining us this week we really enjoyed having you on the podcast this has been troy and nate for Explorminate. take care
0: everyone see ya